Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Welcome to another edition of Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Father James Gross joining you from the Diocese of Fargo. Joined as always by my co-host, uh, Father Jason Leffer. Good morning. Good morning, Father Gross. It, it, it's a it's really a, um, a double header because your sister, I believe, was co-hosting yesterday. And here you are today. <clears throat> Leffer so. and stereo, what can I say? And you know, <laughs> it's one of these things, again, uh, you know, I think today is the year anniversary of COVID shutting down the church and stuff or whatever. And I'm in our local diocese. So, today was the final public. Yeah, mass. You know, we, yeah. um, we can't, we learned this past year not to take things for granted and uh, sitting here with you, I'm not taking it for granted. I just came off COVID myself. I, I got the, uh, letter from the, the governor saying you're free, you're free, free from COVID jail and, uh, 90 days of, Mm-hmm. Of, of being free and uh, here oh by the way here's the combination of Fort Knox enjoy yourself so just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and that's the part I didn't realize that it came along with that letter from the governor but but no uh, just in all in all reality it's mm-hmm. it's great to be yeah. able to be here with you and, and I think yes. of all those who are still suffering from COVID and all those who mm-hmm. who have died and and so forth I mean it's real yeah. It's, it's a real thing, and, and, and it's good to be on this side of the, the suffering. Yes, indeed. As I greeted you this morning, I was thinking of Dr. Frankenstein. He's alive. He's alive. He's, you were walking in. So well, you know, not, in interest of those who are listening, whatever, and people get all kinds of different symptoms, and one, I, I missed out on a lot of them, but one that I got that I hadn't heard anybody else had was the, uh, the incredible pressure from the headache and the virus in, in your head or whatever, it, it chose to come out through my eyes. And so I had these incredibly <laughs> vile bloodshot eyes for about three or oh four my. days. I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. You know, I was, I was, I was, I was glad as in isolation, you know, because uh, uh, it was pretty, pretty scary stuff. So my goodness. Yeah. Well, we certainly are in solidarity with all of those who have been uh, battling this illness and those who currently have it. And before we go any farther, if you, Father, would do the honors and leading us in an opening prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, our Father in heaven, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you, we adore you, we glorify you, especially in this glorious, beautiful, almost spring uh, day. Um, we, we just think of your Holy Spirit, Lord and giver of life. We ask him to come into us and to inspire us and fill us. May, may the, the very word, Jesus Christ, go forth from us today in this broadcast. May it inspire all those who, who receive the good word. We ask all this through Christ our Lord, Amen. St. Cyril of Jerusalem. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we are coming to you folks today from the uh, studios in the near Southside Historic District of beautiful downtown Grand Forks. We are looking for our first guest to the east, to the Twin Ports, as we visit with Father Eli Gieske from the Diocese of Duluth. Uh, Welcome to Real Presence Live. Thank you. Good to be with you. Thank you. And I, I just want to double check, did I pronounce your last name correctly? You did. You did a great job. Yeah. Okay, very oh, you, good. You, you did great. 
I, I didn't want you gritting your teeth over the course of the interview. They're, they're calling me what I, something different than my name. Um, well, before we go any farther, let's just get a little bit uh, better oriented uh, with you. Um, could you just uh, tell us about yourself and uh, where you come from and how you came to uh, respond to the call that God has given you in your life? Sure, sure. So I'm actually from the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis. That's where I grew up, um, just north of the metro area there. And I went to college in Duluth, and that's how I ended up in this diocese. When I was in college, I started thinking about the possibility of seminary, and I applied to the diocese up here, was accepted, and so I went to seminary for the Diocese of Duluth and was ordained in 2013. I've been a priest now for almost eight years, and uh, I'm back in Duluth. I was out near the Brainerd area for uh, four years, and and, uh, now I'm back in Duluth again, so... Yeah. Okay. So you must know Father Mike Schmitz. You must know Father Mike Schmitz pretty well. Yeah, actually. So when I was at UMD, he uh, he came to be part of the Newman Center. Uh, I forget if it was my third or fourth year uh, when I was in college there. So yeah, I, I know him pretty well. People all over the world are coming to know Father Schmitz because of his uh, Bible in a Year podcast, which has been just yeah. tremendously successful. So we're happy about that. And uh, you are—I think you had alluded to that you are serving in uh, parish ministry there in in the Duluth area currently, correct? That's right. Yep. So I have three parishes here, and um, yes, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm on the other side of town. So when I was here as an associate, I was at the cathedral and St. Mary's Star of the Sea, which is kind of on the east end of town i'm on the west end of town now so but that's good okay uh, out to the suburbs very good <laughs> and uh mm-hmm. one of the things that we wanted to visit with you about is uh, some thoughts that you had about um what it means to participate in the mass especially in the context of the season of lent um why is this such an important thing for us to think about yeah so i think um one of the things we you know, we don't always think about how important it is that we come to celebrate the Mass every week um, on the weekend, and we we enter into this worship of the Lord, and it, it's, it becomes such a routine sometimes, and the Mass is so similar from week to week that we can kind of forget what it is that we're doing and how important it is and how it's supposed to flow into the rest of our lives, and every, everything comes from the Mass and goes back into the Mass, and so it's, it's a beautiful thing when we think about what we're doing, but we sometimes forget about that, and so... Um, I've been working this Lent with my parishioners is kind of just remember what we are doing in the Mass. And so um, active participation doesn't necessarily mean that I'm doing something like uh, I have to be a, a lector or a usher or a cantor or something like that. I can actively participate by just being present and really being attentive to what is the Lord saying to me in the Mass, in the readings, in the prayers, in the music, all these things speak to us in this way, God's way of uh, speaking to us about our lives and what's happening in our lives. So um, one of the things I really encourage my parishioners early on in this season of Lent is let's prepare well for Mass. So, you know, you know, if we need to uh, go to confession before Mass, that's a great way to prepare ourselves to be in that state of grace, to really receive all the graces that God wants to give to us, maybe looking at the readings ahead of time. So it's, there's lots of things we can do to prepare for Mass and really get ready, and then once we're there, it's just a, a matter of really being attentive. How is the Lord speaking to us? And I think the more we come hungry with that awareness that God wants to speak to us, He wants to encounter us, the more it becomes more of a an experience of God rather than just an obligation that I do from week to week. Father Eli, you know, um, I'd be really curious to get your, your thoughts on, on this, you know, speaking of, you know, once we get there, the... Um, 
recently in in my deanery our, our bishop was there and we had a priest gathering with the bishop and we were speaking and you know a bismarck diocese and ash wednesday i think the they put the moral obligation back on to attend sunday mass and holy days of obligation yeah. but and so our bishop was kind of you know he was asking we priests like on the ground like where are the people at like how are they ready for the moral obligation to come back on what's the fear levels this kind of stuff and we had this really what i thought was an, just an awesome discussion amongst the priests about why is there a moral obligation on you know to, to attend sunday mass and right. and holy days in, in from the perspective of like i kind of fall into the camp of I wish there wasn't. I, I wish I wish we didn't have to put a moral obligation to say like you have a moral obligation to attend Sunday Mass and Holy Days of Obligation. Like I, it always strikes me every year like the Sacred Triduum is coming up here, and the Church doesn't put a moral obligation on it, even though it's the highest point or the most important liturgies probably of our faith. And I think it's because the Church just assumes we're going to be there. Like why would we have to tell right. them to be there? But what, what kind of thoughts do you have as you're working with your people there? reintroducing, giving them back because of COVID and all that, and just about to show up or their participation. What, what do you think about that sense of moral obligation? Yeah. Well, like you, I, I would say it's not my favorite uh, way of putting it, is that you have an obligation to attend Mass. To me, that it, it puts it in the wrong light. I think there was maybe a time in the Church when people kind of looked at that differently than we do now. I, I like to look at it as an invitation. We're invited by the Lord to come and be with Him from week to week. And if we don't want to, I mean, we certainly can choose not to, but by doing that, we are, that's, that's a statement of where our faith is at, where, where our belief is at. And so I think it has been an interesting time to see who comes to Mass when there's no obligation and how do they come. And I think, I don't know for sure, because I've just moved to this new assignment in the last, uh, you know, six, seven months. Oh, okay. What I tend to think is the the reality is that you you get the people who are already thought in, and maybe those who you know are kind of on the fence. The obligation maybe helps them to say, you know, I should do this. But um, I kind of if we if you think about um, in confession, we talk about uh, a uh, you know, do I have a fear of of my sins, and that's why I'm coming to confession, or do I have a love for God, and that's why I'm coming to confession, because I want to love God better. And so it's the same kind of thing when we come to Mass. Do we want to love God, or are we just coming for an obligation? So I I always try to encourage people to think about it as more of an invitation and respond, and where am I at with that? And so that's that's kind of my my thought on that, I guess, in a, in a, in a short way. So Because it all starts there, doesn't it, to, to get, get, in, get, get in the door... And ho- hopefully, like you say, you know, you could go to confession either out of fear or out of love. They both get you there, and, and hopefully if you're there out of fear, you'll exactly. grow to that point of you're there because of love. Exactly, yeah, exactly. I, I think all of us probably go through that experience to some degree in our lives where we have to have that conversion in, in our hearts from, I know I'm supposed to do this, I know it's good for me, I, I even believe it to some degree, but... We get to that point where we say, "I want this. I desire this. I know this is where my heart needs to be," and so forth. And so, um, hopefully, over the course of our lives, that conversion happens. And so, this time of the pandemic, I think it's been a a good little test to see where where are we at, and we can each individually ask that question: Where am I at in terms of my desire to attend mass? And so, yeah, I I think it's an opportunity in some ways to see where what are the state of things. So, so, so you had brought up about 
full conscious act of participation in the Mass as laity. Could, could you walk us through that a little bit? What, what, what did Vatican II mean by that when it said full act of conscious participation? Sure, sure. So I, I think um, if you think about um, the Trinity Mass, the Mass before Vatican II, there was a lot of people that would come to Mass and they would pray the Rosary, or they would do devotionals during Mass because they, maybe they didn't know Latin super well, or maybe they had a hard time following along. And so, you know, it was like we were there, but we weren't always focused on what's happening. So I think participation means that I'm, I'm aware of what's happening, I'm, I'm giving myself to it. That doesn't mean that I'm always going to focus on every single word that the Father or the, the reader or the lector says. I think there are going to be moments when the Lord speaks to us, and we start to think about a concept or an idea or something that's going on in our life, and the Lord speaks to us in the reading or in the homily or in the music about that. And so I think participation means, like, I'm fully available to the Lord. If you think about when you're with a friend, participating in a conversation means that I'm both listening and speaking at the appropriate times. And so if you think about it in that way, we're coming to Mass, we're engaged, we're not just, we're not just kind of watching or sitting back and not really participating. We're, we're engaged in the mind and the, and the heart of what's happening. So, I, I know, too, like, I've, I've had different conversations, too, like this idea of participation, where it can go the other way, too, where almost people will say, like, well, if I'm, if I'm not the lector, if I'm not the extraordinary exactly. master of Holy Communion, whatever, then, I'm, then there, there's no place for me in the Mass or not. Okay. Or a lot of times I've had this conversation with women, not necessarily women, could be men, too, but saying, like, you know, only only men are allowed to be priests. Therefore, there's no place for me in the church. Right, and right. and I think that's we really so as priests, we really do need to work at helping people come to know what does it mean to be a full active conscious participant in the worship mm-hmm. of God at the sacred liturgy. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's uh, that is a challenge, and I even see this sometimes when people are assigned to be a lector or an usher or a musician. They'll come to mass, but they won't come otherwise, and so. Something to me about that seems mm-hmm. off. Like, mm-hmm. if if you're not coming regularly, then what what uh, what is it that you're doing when you're coming to do those ministries? Because it seems like your your perception is off. So I, I would agree that sometimes it can be, unless I'm actively doing something physically that everybody can see, that I'm not really participating, and that's really the wrong idea. Right. But yeah, you know, participation meaning more than. Yeah, more than a spotlight or being on the stage, so to speak. Right. When you brought right. that up, Father, yeah. you had a bunch of head nods going on in the studio here. <laughs> Father Gross and I were both like, yes, that's we experienced that too. Right, right. Well, sure. we're going to need to step away for just a moment here, but we are visiting with Father Eli Gieske from the Diocese of Duluth, asking us to consider how we can more fully participate in the celebration of the Mass. And uh, we'll talk about especially the lessons that we've learned maybe over the past year with the uh, suspension of public Masses and some of the things that we've experienced. So, Father Gross and Father Leffer with you on Real Presence Live, and we'll be right back after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.
Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Have you ever wondered if your family's past struggles have affected you personally? I'm Father Chris Alar. You and your ancestors are all part of the body of Christ, so you should desire healing for them for the consequence of their past sins. Evidence suggests that these consequences can even be passed down through generations. While God does not hold you personally responsible for the sins of your ancestors, He does allow the effect of their deeds to reverberate from one generation to the next. The sins or sanctity of your family members may impact you. So learn how to break free from any sinful bonds in your life. There is hope. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost. And to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision provides eye exams for the whole family and specialty services like vision therapy and custom contact lenses. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Moto Eyewear, which gives away a pair of glasses to a child in need for every frame sold. We are so grateful for your support and grateful to be supporting RPR. You can learn more about our mission at lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone. Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer, priests of the Diocese of Fargo, joining you from our Grand Forks studios on what is a positively balmy early spring day. Whoop, whoop. Um, after uh, new, the the common trend of things for many years to have uh, many inches of snow still on the ground well into April, um, there, there's not a flake to be shoveled anywhere. You know, it's been, we only had like 10 days of legitimate winter this year. I mean, it was glorious. If we're not mm-hmm. careful, North Dakota would be known as a winter destination. I know. It was it was, uh, it was was pretty uh, intense there in mid-February. There's this one morning where the overnight low was minus 28, and I, I saw somebody's observation that uh, right now inside your refrigerator is 60 degrees warmer than outside you know so uh, <laughs> it's kind of hard to and handle it, that it's strange for us to say this but we really could use some rain we really yes some yes and and i do want to talk about that later on about uh, uh some of those local conditions also at the bottom of the hour we'll be getting our straight talk segment 877-795-0122 is the place to call in order to ask your questions about the faith and we'll have some topics that we'll throw out to you we also invite people to uh, leave questions on our facebook page for Real Presence Radio, but for now, we continue our conversation with Father Eli Gieske from uh, the Diocese of Duluth, who is a pastor of several parishes and uh, outside of the city of Duluth, or on the um, outskirts of the city, 
And uh, Father Leffer and I have been thinking about the anniversaries that people have been marking here about uh, things that were happening a year ago, um, particularly with the suspension of public masses in virtually every diocese around the United States. I remember somebody talking about how it was Holy Saturday, in a sense, you know, in the parish life of a lot of places. Uh, some of them came back relatively quickly. Others, it, it, it took a long time. Um, what lessons uh, have you yourself learned? or like what did you experience uh, with regard to that once um, you know once that shutdown first happened and masses were being celebrated privately and people were having to engage more remotely in their faith yeah I yeah I, re I remember very clearly um, the Feast of St. Joseph was our last public mass in the parish assignment where I was and um, so I remember that mass because at the end of mass, this was an evening Mass, and at the end of Mass, everybody stayed in the church, and they, they kind of had this realization that this might be our last time of receiving communion in a while. We didn't At that time, we didn't think, you know, we thought maybe a couple weeks or a month, but it, it turned out to be much longer, and, and so uh, I remember people were very emotional in that, in that Mass because of that experience. And I think as things unfolded, um, you know, obviously offering the Mass, Privately, it's, it's still uh, something you do on behalf of the people, but you really miss your congregation. You miss that inter interaction and uh, kind of the fullness of, of the people of God together worshiping. And um, so, it's been a it's been a, a discovery journey of the whole whole time of learning um, about kind of what we talked about the obligation thing. Is that how is that really played out? Um, who who uh, comes when it's when the chips are down, it's like, you can come, but there's no guarantee that you're going to be safe. Like, what, what do you prefer? You know, do you prefer to receive the, the communion or Eucharist, or do you prefer to, to stay at home? And so people have had to wrestle with it. They're all at different places. And, and so for me, I've, I've, as a priest, I'm, I'm really uh, struck by the faith that people have had and have shown, and then also wrestling with how do I speak to those who maybe have stayed away from the Mass and continue to stay away um, and maybe maybe won't even come back once things open up at some point when they when they open back up to normal so um lots of things i think we have a lot to, a lot of work to do to kind of catechize our people and help our people understand what the mass is all about what are what it is to be catholic um i i think in one sense it's kind of showed us where we are you know as as a as a church in in our nation so exactly and I think on the part of a lot of people, you know, the various parishes really were bending over backwards in terms of um, uh, working with technology to give an experience of people uh, tuning in, so to speak, and uh, watching live streaming masses. But, uh, I, you know, the, re the realization quickly comes along, especially once public masses resumed in some form, that... Uh, you know, that, that there really is a hunger that you have that can't be fully um, satisfied by, you know, being in your living room, even if you're um, mimicking the postures and kneeling when you're supposed to kneel, standing when you're supposed to stand, that there's really something more that we are yearning for than, than was possible that way. Right, right. Yeah, and I had uh, some parishioners, very devout Catholics, who, who did that. They, they dressed up and they, they had, they watched Mass, um, but that that only went so long before it just kind of became like this, this isn't enough, or you know, and we find ourselves, you know, not 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 even watching anymore, or or or, or, or 
mm-hmm. um, just not feeling satisfied with that experience. And so I think, you know, it's very interesting. There's a lot of churches here in Duluth that haven't opened up still. So they've been closed for a whole year, and I kind of wondered to myself, what's going to happen to all those churches? These are not Catholic churches. They are other denominations. But um, mm-hmm. the mentality of, like, we can do church from home, um, you know, as you see many businesses now, as they've gone through this time of, like, working at home and stuff, some of them are changing their business models, and I wonder how that's going to affect the church. I think for us as Catholics, because we are so sacramental, because we're so tied to the Eucharist, right. I think we will have to yep. return. Yeah, we will that, have to that return composite to of body and soul worship. Exactly, right. exactly. So, mm-hmm. so uh, as we uh, as we're right as, as we're wrapping things up here, we just have a few more minutes with you, Father Eli. Um, what advice would you offer uh, to those who find that they're uh, that that they could really grow in their experience of 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 what it is like to uh, to to be at mass, not just to be there, but to participate in a in a more meaningful way to really go deeper in uh, in what is happening there. Yeah, well, I think one one place to start is just to have the perspective of the long the long perspective of like what is the goal of what we're doing? What is the goal of this life? You know, if we if you don't have that right, then mass and worship and praying and all this stuff, maybe it's going to be a little bit off, like your focus, because it's going to be in the wrong place. So starting with that perspective, I'm I'm living this life towards eternal life, like I'm moving towards eternal life, and so this is a staging ground for that, to really have that perspective of the eternal perspective. Um, I think doing things like adoration, where you're, you're spending quiet time with the Lord, um, kind of an elongation of the Mass, so the consecration, where you're you're present with the Lord and speaking to Him, allowing Him to speak to you. Understanding the spiritual life, that it's a journey. Um, you know, I I uh, always encourage people to, to continue to grow and, and read, um, you know, the spiritual masters. Um, somebody like Francis de Sales, his introduction to the devout life or something like that, helping them to understand, how do I live my day-to-day life, but also live it in a way where I'm in union with the Lord, that I'm seeking the Lord, that that's the forefront of my, my day-to-day actions. And that's not always easy for us. I mean, I think, in some sense, because we preach work for the Church, we have a little bit of an easier time of having that central focus. But for those who are working in the world, sometimes a challenge of remembering, like, well, the most important thing I can do today is commune with the Lord, you know? And so I, I think we can do all those things outside of the Mass, our, our experience of the Mass is going to be much richer, much more fruitful, much more uh, able to draw us closer to the Lord. So um, it's kind of like timing the pump, I would say, for, for Sunday or for whenever you go to Mass. You know, one of the things I was thinking about, Father Eli, as you've been des- describing this, <clears throat> kind of the situation we're in, it, the words that were coming to me here is the, it's, you know, it's the final words we say at the end of Mass, ite misa est, mm-hmm. which... Yeah. And I and I think of like the translation in in English. There's four, I think, four options you can say, or yeah. but not none of the four actually are what "ite misa est" is. "Ite misa est" literally means "go," like as in plural. You all go now. It has been sent. Is literally what the translation is, and the "it" is actually the sacrifice of the Son to the Father. And I think yeah. I think there's a sense of where. Maybe we haven't, in, you know, post Vatican II, we haven't done a good job of communicating that 
to the people or, or the laity or or it seems like maybe in our catechesis it's been dropped because um, I'm not sure people have have a sense of like I'm coming to mass to participate in the sending of the son to the father and atonement for my sins you know what I mean like that actual right. worship right. of the Godhead and and you know I mean it's not a simple thing or whatever like as in some magic solution but I but I do I only bring that because the the lady that I know who have a sense of that their their faith is unshaken you know what I mean it's like they right. through thick and thin they're there and they have they really do actively participate in, in that worship so there might be something there to uh, you yeah. know contemplate I'm not sure but yeah definitely I think I think that's that's very true and you know um, you can think of somebody that would, would go to like a sporting event maybe you go to a football game but if you have no idea what the rules are or what the point of the game is or whatever like you can be a spectator. But how how involved are you? How much understanding are you going to get out of it? How how meaningful is it going to be for you? Whereas if you're a fan and you're you know the game and you're even played the game, um, you look at it much differently. And so the same if we go to mass with an understanding of that idea that we're offering sacrifice, we're offering worship. There's something we're here to do um, versus like I'm I just show up because that is what I do. Like it's a very different experience. So. You know, I throw this out really quick. I think Scott Hahn put out, it's a free series right now for Lent. It's a 10-part series. They're 15 or 20-minute long talks that he gave on the Mass, the Scripture, the Mass, and it's called Perusia. And I actually I actually tuned into that, and, you know, he kind of covered a lot of this that we're talking about right now, helping, just helping your average person go to deeper understanding of what's really taking place at Mass. That might be a good thing for our listeners if you want to check it out. So it's called Perusia yeah. okay. by Scott Hahn, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of other great uh, materials, too. And just to dovetail very quickly off of something that Father Leffer had said, that there is that sense of mission that, uh, you know, we are being sent into the world to um, proclaim the gospel and to glorify God by our lives. So uh, the, the degree to which we can adopt that uh, adopt that stance and uh, make that something concrete, you know, in the practical things that we do after we come to Mass can really help us as well. So, Father Eli, thank you so much for taking time uh, to uh, visit with us this morning. Blessings to you and, and your people and in your ministry. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the show this morning. You're most welcome. And uh, we'll be stepping aside for a quick break, but when we come back, get your questions ready and see if you can stump us. That uh, <laughs> the, Them's fighting words. No, <laughs> that's a challenge. Straight Talk is coming up next, 877-795-0122. Call that number, and we'd love to visit with you. That's coming up after the break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 